0: Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host Olivia, and each episode I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. And full disclosure here: yesterday when I made my notes, my brain was not with it, so we're just kind of we're just kind of gonna hope that this is a coherent series of uh, facts and statements. And uh, we're all just going to be along for this ride together, so we're going to see how well uh, 3% brain did. But other than that, I don't really have any other news today, so we're just going to hop right on into it. Last episode, we talked about leeches and how they don't transmit diseases between people, and I had promised a leech part two, which I'm sure everyone is super excited about talking about medicinal leeches. So here we are talking about medicinal leeches. After this episode, I'm thinking we'll have a few episodes talking about sharks, so if um, blood-sucking parasites aren't your forte, then we'll be getting out of those soon. Out on our boat mapping surveys uh, for my job, we've actually seen a few different shark species way offshore. Last week we had some basking sharks, this past week we had a blue shark, and what we're pretty sure is a poor beagle. So we'll do a few episodes talking about those. So if you like yourself some some shark facts, stay tuned. But for now, medicinal leeches. I will still give a little bit of background on leeches, but it will be some different information from last time. So I would encourage you to go back to episode 34 to learn more about the how many different leech species there are, where you can find them, and a bit of what makes a leech a leech. So, leeches. As we said last week, leeches are segmented worms and related to earthworms, So, as and as most people are familiar, they primarily eat blood from their host. Also, as mentioned last week, while many of the leeches we are familiar with parasitize humans and other mammals there are leeches that target fish, frogs, turtles, including sea turtles, and sometimes other leeches. Leeches use a variety of signals or detect a variety of signals to find their host, such as body temperature and the carbon dioxide that we just normally give off, and our vibrations as well as we are walking and our approach. When the leech comes across to host or Rather, when a host comes across a leech, the leech will detect those signals, crawl into their host, and find a good bite spot. To bite the host, the leech uses its suction on the head to attach the host, and this suction is typically around the jaw area, so that really secures the mouth on the host. So it enables the leech to cut into the skin and start feeding. As it feeds, it secretes some of the leech's saliva into the bite, and leech saliva contains uh, coagulants in order to create a continuous flow of blood as well as some anesthetics so you don't feel the bite quite as much. So it will remain undetected until you look down and be like, oh my dear goodness there's a leech. Some leeches will feed for about 10 to 30 minutes and drinking anywhere from 2 to 20 milliliters of blood. Once the leech is all filled up. They release from the host and go on their merry way to digest their blood meal. One meal, depending on the size of the blood meal, can last the leech upwards of 9 months, and even in some cases up to a full year before that leech has to feed again. Now going on specifically to medicinal leeches, there are a few leeches that are used for medicinal purposes. The most commonly used one today, I think largely because of the leech craze of the 18th and 19th centuries, which we will talk about later, is Herudo medicinalis, which is the European medicinal leech. That one, as well as Herudo verbena, uh, those two are really the leech standard. Others that are used around the world, though, are Hirudo orientalis, Herudotroctina, which is the Asian, med- oh, and then the next one is the Asian medicinal leech, Herudinaria menilensis, and then we have the North American medicinal leech, Macrobdella decora. So then what makes, uh, what about leeches makes them a good thing to use medicinally? Usually we don't look at blood-sucking parasites and go, hey, that looks like a good idea to intentionally have drink our blood. But part of what makes leeches so useful is their saliva. There can be up to 60 different proteins in leech saliva that have quite a few different purposes, like preventing the blood from clotting, dilating the blood vessel, so vasodilators, they can act as anesthetics, as well as inhibit enzymes that eat other proteins. So the anticoagulants, um, platelet aggregation inhibitors, and the dilators Are the three main groups of proteins that are why we use leeches. These are the ones that are going to um, really keep the blood flowing, so it's going to prevent clotting, as well as encourage blood flow in the area. While we think of leeches as a thing of history, we do still use leeches occasionally in modern medicine, usually for instances where we want to encourage blood flow or drain excess blood from a specific area. Usually, leeches are used in reattachment surgeries in order to prevent the blood from clotting in the area, which is going to help the area heal and encourage uh, more of those small vein connections to happen in the healing process. So then the blood doesn't just uh, clot veins end, and then the skin's not going to attach again. So uh, when we're going to reattach something like an ear... Um, this has a lot of small capillaries in the area. So these are going to be instances in particular where leeches are helpful. The anticoagulants are going to help in, um, keep the blood from clotting, while the vasodilators are going to encourage the blood flow into the area. Um, and this is also going to keep the blood from pooling as the leech is removing blood. So. This all helps the tissues to heal better and can increase the chances of a successful reattachment. Um, So we know when we first started using leeches in medicine, they weren't going around reattaching ears as far as we know. So when did leeching first become a thing? So leeching or herudotherapy has a pretty deep history. As far as where it first started and when, Uh, Different sources say a couple of different things, so this may be something where we don't entirely know for sure, but some of the sources that I found said that the first known records of using leeches medicinally come from Egyptian paintings found in a tomb that dates back all the way to 1500 BC, and there are some other records coming from ancient Greece in the range of 200 to 500 BC or so. So these are going to be the earliest records of leeches, but there are some other sources pointing to an actual origin in um, ancient Indian medical texts from around year zero. Um, And again, the Greco-Romans around 200 AD, and then Arabic medicine, so Islamic medicine, around the year 1000. So anywhere from 1500 BC to 1000 Um, A.D. or common era, whatever phrasing you wish to use. Um, It's a pretty long time span, but wherever we think it started and whoever started it first, uh, many, many civilizations from around the world at some point started using leeches for bloodletting purposes in order to treat and prevent different diseases. I don't really have noted what we think the ancient Egyptians were using leeches for, so that may be a thing we don't really know. But for both in Indian um, Ayurvedic medicines and in Greek medicine, as well as a little bit with the Arabic, um, leeches were used for bloodletting to try and balance out the humors of the body. So at that point in time, it was believed that a person was healthy when the different humors were in balance and disease and illnesses happened when they were out of balance. In Ayurvedic medicine, they used three humors, the vada- pitta, and kaffa. And in Arabic or Greek medicine, and eventually what the Europeans developed in kind of the Middle Ages in medieval times, they used four humors, which are really just different bodily fluids. They used blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile as their four humors. When blood was thought to be in excess, would be when you had a condition that made your skin look red, which kind of tracks if your skin is red, there's more blood at the surface. So apply leeches, remove the blood, and boom, you're all better. So then how leeching got to Europe and Western medicine was actually through translations of those Arabic and Islamic medicinal texts, as well as the Ancient Greek medical texts um, in around the Middle Ages. Leeches were initially used in European medicine, as I said, for balancing the humors, and that ideology they adopted from the Greek and Arabic medicine. Now, from my understanding, it had died down a little bit, kind of around the 17th century or so, 16th, 17th, and then around the 18th century, uh, this physician in France, François-Joseph-Victor Brousset, Created this ideology if there, or developed an ideology where if there is some process in the body not working right, it triggers inflammation, which creates disease, and this one singular process is the cause of all illnesses and diseases. So, since all diseases had one cause, one treatment could be used to treat the disease, so naturally, Uh, The treatment was leeches to stop the inflammation. I'm assuming kind of similar ideology. There's inflammation, the blood is at the surface, remove the blood, inflammation goes down. Um, And he used the leeches for bloodletting instead of using the lancet that was used at the time. And more people liked that. It was a little less invasive, the leech was a little bit friendlier, and how convenient that you can just treat everything with leeches. And of course, you're not just going to use one leech at a time, he decided that all new patients coming into his care definitely needed 30 leeches as an initial treatment. That's 3 zero, 30 leeches, naturally. So people kind of like this ideology, it started catching on. Really through the 18th century, through the uh, 19th century, this leech craze started up in Europe. And really, this created a pretty lucrative leech industry that supported leech collectors that went through the rivers and the marshes to collect leeches, as well as farmers and the apothecaries to sell the leeches, there was international leech trading, all sorts of things. It was so intense of a leech craze demand that by the end of the 18th century, medicinal leeches were nearly extinct in Ireland, England, and Wales. And it's actually still listed as near-threatened, but there are still very scattered populations throughout their natural habitat, and the current loss of marshlands for development and agriculture isn't really helping their situation. There are still legal protections for the European medicinal leech, and there are um, while there are a few isolated populations that have good numbers, we're really only talking about maybe a dozen or so, one to two dozen populations of medicinal leeches, which is not great. Um, but around the 1900s, the use of leeches declined in Europe, they were still used in North America, but as we gained a better understanding of how illnesses and diseases actually worked, the use of leeches started to go down. Specifically, the development of germ theory was quite the nail in the coffin for leeching. Germ theory stated that it was germs, which is what we now know as bacteria and viruses, are what cause a lot of different illnesses. So it's not an imbalance in your, bodily fu- in your bodily fluids, in your humors, or just systemic inflammation that is causing cholera. But it wasn't until the 1950s to 1970s that the medical interest in leaching really started going up. In the 1970s, was when the first successes started happening with using leeches to using leeches in reattachment surgeries in order to increase the chance of success. And the first ear reattachment surgery actually happened around that time, and it was leeches that made that possible. And this is really where we still are with leeches today, And leeches were actually classified by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, as a medical device back in 2004, primarily for use in reattachment surgeries, but they do have that medical device classification. There are some other uses for medicinal leeches, but it's really um, the primary use and the most commonly accepted use is to promote healing after reattachment or reconstructive surgeries. The one that I've mentioned repeatedly are the ear reattachments, um, because the leeches are responsible for the first successful ear reattachment. Um, They are used for other microsurgeries as well, and in my notes I didn't really specify too many other examples because I apparently thought I would remember what the different microsurgeries referred to, but here we are. Think reattachment surgeries, like finger reattachments, ear reattachments, whatever. There are some other uses, though, and even going back to Ayurvedic medicine, leeches have been used to sometimes treat joint diseases like osteoarthritis. Some of the anti-inflammatory components in the leech saliva have actually since been proven in some trials to provide significant pain relief and better pain relief, then some more traditional treatments. That one is still experimental, so that's not really going to be a mainstream application at the moment, but there is supportive evidence, and maybe one day that will get to be more of a practice. Leeches are also sometimes to use treat um, varicose veins, muscle cramps, and apparently uh, there are some conditions that cause inflammation in the salivary glands. And really, as with any non-traditional medication. If you spend enough time on the internet, you'll find that leeches can probably cure just about anything, as we still once thought, but there really are only a few commonly used purposes for leeches. And that right there is really the backstory behind medicinal leeches and some of the history that I could find to go along with that. There are also a few sites that you can actually go to to buy yourself leeches wholesale and get the accessories necessary to maintain your leeches. Granted, these are they, most of the sites are geared towards kind of a lab setting, but it also didn't really look like they checked. So if you wanted to buy leeches wholesale, you can. You definitely probably should not uh, DIY leeching but if for some reason you do, you have listened to this episode and thought it sounded like a good thing to try for whatever reason, uh, talk to your doctor about that before you buy a few thousand dollars worth of leeches. And one more fun note, because I have a hard time concluding things, hirudin, the anticoagulant protein that is the most dominant one in leech saliva, is actually produced in labs as a drug to be used as an anticoagulant. So if you ever find yourself using it, know that no leeches were harmed in the development of your Huridin. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and be sure to come on back for the next episode in a couple of weeks. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and you can also find the podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, or really just about wherever else you listen to podcasts. There are now a couple of options to help support this podcast. You can and should definitely share us with somebody you know that needs to know about the history of medical leeches, which of course is everybody. Everyone loves leeches. And for about one-fifth the cost of a pet giant Dracula leech, you can also become a patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash quirky, creepy, freaky pod. And I do actually have some upcoming content uh, planned for Patreon, so if you want to see some marine biology-related adventures, join us on Patreon. You can also find the podcast on Instagram, so give that a follow at quirky, creepy, freaky pod. And if you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send it on in at quirky, creepy, freaky pod at gmail.com. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Strite. Intro music created by Kaylee Strite. Thank you for listening.